Ah, the soft and tinkly tones of the xylophone, of the theme music. I love our theme music. It almost makes me feel like life is happy and easy. It does, doesn't it's it? Just, these, these days it's so easy. Like we're in the little cocoon mm. of, of ease and, and no troubles here on the Lion D 2023, podcast. pretty awesome year so far, you know? going a bit far. <laughs> um, welcome everybody to Lion D Podcast. It's nice to uh, to see you, have you here, have you listening. My name is Yvonne Lorcan. Um, I do some wine writing and I'm the Chief Tasting Officer of winefringe.co.nz. And Dan. Yes, I'm Daniel. Yep, that's me. Every day. He's the enigma. Just, all day. Just uh, doing different stuff all the time, you know. Bit of wine. Bit of sales, bit of drinking in your bar. Mm-hmm. And he says you're because, uh, listeners, we have a guest. This is our second guest. We're on a roll and we have picked a doozy for you today. We have Mr. Michael Henley. Greetings. Greetings. Wait a minute, do I have to call you master on no, in public? You, you uh, certainly do not call me master in public. I would maybe, quite like maybe, him to call you master in public. Well, I, maybe in the private. Though, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's, uh, you know, uh, recent congratulations due. Uh, Thank you. Uh, um, I think we should just go right there and talk about what that is. And um, First yes. of all, how long has it been around, the master of wine thing? I think it's 1953. It was uh, created um, yeah, It was created in, in by the UK, uh, by the Wine Guild. Yeah. Um, well, the Wine Guild dates back to... Oh, I think it's something like the 1400s or something. It was created as one of the first ago. 12 guilds um, to, mm. uh, for trades, I guess. Mm. And uh, in 1953, they got together and said, hey, we want to create uh, something to further education in, in wine. To, 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 and they got together with the Wines and Spirits Educational Trust, I think, over in the UK, and they, they formed uh, the Institute of Master Wine. And I'm, and I'm not actually sure, and someone asked me this question the other day, I'm not sure who the first masters of wine were from the first years, but um, when I did my graduation um, over in the great hall of the Vintners Guild, mm. um, complete with trumpeters and this the bit like, of pomp and circumstance, a little bit on. of that coming through, um, took everything a, in my being not to put some stuff on your Instagram. It, it was you pretty. Know. You know, you're walking out and all of a sudden sorry, trumpet. trumpeters. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. So you I, didn't I, see the guy with the big. Yeah. Boa thing. No, he was looks wearing. like a looks like a queen's guard. Okay, so yeah. hold on, we just did backtrack two seconds. Like Michael is um, the four hundred and ninety fifth master of wine in the world, right? So he is right. and New Zealand's newest master of wine. Uh, y- yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most, I, most yeah. recent, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sophie got it. Yeah. So, um, so we are we're not worthy. <laughs> we're not worthy to have him in the studio with us today, and um, so he's just talking about the actual event of being what crowned are you crowned a no, master you're not, of wine you're not, you're not crowned <laughs> sounds up. like a, um, yeah, a it, coronation it, of sorts it, 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 I think you're cupped actually well, you're cupped <laughs> <laughs> you're fluffed well, you know? I'm not quite sure that's quite yeah. true either because there are a couple of ladies who got it. So, uh, oh, man, it's a fluid world now. Okay, know? good. All right. Anyway, we'll take it away from that one. Okay. Yes, tell us how it went. How it went down was um, I graduated in 21 because of COVID and all the rubbish around that. It was difficult to get across to graduation. And, sure. You know, the graduation it, is in graduation London. Graduation is in London, in yes. the wine, um, in the Great Hall of the um, Fitness Guild in, um, yes. on Upper Thames Street. So right in the middle of the city in London. A lot of like old wood in there. A lot of old Plaps, wood. A lot of old, placards. old portraits. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you walk in and it's this beautiful, beautiful building. And 
and you do walk in. And so we, we, we got prepped and we got taken to the outside and, the, and all our past MWs are in there and all your family's in there and this guild. And actually, beforehand, I digress a little bit, we tasted Bordeaux 2018. Course, course. All of the wines of Bordeaux from the Bordeaux release. Anyway. But the, then you weren't tested on them or anything. It's just for fun. It was just for fun. So it's just to stand around and get to taste, you know, Hope Rion or Margot, all those type of things. That's what they do in London. But, um, of course. So anyway, we came, we got put to the back of the hall and, and we had to come out through this back entrance and, and through all the people who were there. <laughs> and as you're walking out in an order type scenario, the trumpets literally up on this balcony, some trumpeters dressed like the Queen's guards start blowing and you just about shit yourself. <laughs> you think, holy shit, what happened there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and these trumpeters, just they, they trumpet you down to where you sit down and you have this very formal um, uh, ceremony where you get to come on stage for 20 seconds, raise your certificate or whatever you want to call it above, above your head and, uh, and say, hey, yeah, I've done it. But where I was going with that, going back to 1953, is they had at the same time someone to celebrate who had been in their master of one for 60 years. 60? Oh. 60. I mean, I don't think I'm going to figure out. Do you know what, though? I'm wondering what the, um, what the questions were like 60, you know, 60 I was years ago. Was it because. Hard. Yeah. I don't know if it was that hard 60 years ago. Would it have been really well, certainly the wine world was a lot smaller. It would have been a lot smaller. Yeah, but I guess, yeah, I guess it's hard uh, regardless, but, mm. I mean, for different reasons. But, mm. yes, the, the world of wine was... They also didn't have the internet, so... They also didn't have the internet, yeah. yes. Um, but the world, yeah, they all mattered for them. <laughs> and arguably the master of the wine, all that matters to them still was, uh, you know, Bordeaux and Burgundy and, mm. and, and the great... The yeah, the, 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 the old but, classics. No, but the, the, the Institute has come um, forward in leaps and bounds, and it is it is very mm. progressive now. And um, so, you, really when you got your world of wine, right? When you got your, uh, your what is it? Like a certificate? It's a certificate, yeah. Where you're like, I'm fucking above the world now. You're above the world. You can't mess with me, wine world. No, I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. Told you I was so. like, holy shit! Thank God, I finally did it. I, I, yeah, I, I started this process in 2004. So that was going to be my next question. Um, because it seems like, and I've known you for a few years now, mm. it seems like there were rumours way back in the early 2000s and in, into the mid-2000s sort of going, well, I, think, I, think Henley's, I think Henley's going to be doing his Master of Wine. I think, I think he might be. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, but, well, so what, what possessed you to kind of go on this journey? Because it is a very intense journey. It is the highest qualification for wine that um, that you can get in this world, there's only 495 of you. 500 now, yeah. 500 now. Mm. Um, but just, that, that, five, four, nine, five, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's um, branded. It's branded. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, and it's really intense, and it's very expensive, I understand, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. expensive in terms of your money and, and certainly taxing of your time and um, and just all around very, dif- very difficult. So what possesses someone... To actually go, I'm gonna do this, and where do you start? Yeah, so I, um, I like all New Zealanders, we go for a bit of a travel around the world and do all those type of things. And, and I ended up, I was making wine at the time, and I was going from vintage to vintage and doing all these type of things. And I was, and in the end, I ended are you a up, trained winemaker? Yeah, I studied at Lincoln. At Lincoln. At Lincoln okay. University. So I did the postgrad there. Lincoln University is in the outskirts of Christchurch yeah. in the South Island of New Zealand. For yeah. those of you unfamiliar. So I was travelling, doing vintages in various places. I ended up in a place in Spain, which was honestly one of the worst vintage experiences. <laughs> you, 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 I was making wine for a, um, UK supermarkets for a flying wine oh, making yeah. crowd. 
So I used to make this with 100-year-old Ganache vines. I used to make a wine called Huge Juicy Red. Uh, <laughs> sold for four ninety nine From 100-year-old Ganache From 100-year-old. My job was basically to stand there and look at these growers, these gnarly old growers that come in with a cigarette in their hand and they gondola full of grapes and go, yes, I'll take that or no, I won't take that one from this co-op. And this grape, these grapes were insane. They were so good. That's why they made huge juicy red because mm. they were so good. Anyway, it was disgusting. So I decided I'd get a job in London afterwards and I ended up in um, Christie's at the auction house in their wine department. That's where I saw you in the movie. Yeah, that's where you saw me in the movie and sell grapes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, um, wait, wait, wait. He was in a movie? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll digress this time. I thought, was watching the documentary Sour Grapes about the guy who fooled all the wine uh, investors Rudy and everything. Kern- yeah. Rudy Kernelian? And uh, in the middle of the dock, you know, right at one stage, uh, he's at Christie's, and I just go, hey, there's fucking Michael right there. It's, you know, he was like, and you had the best look on your face, like, this guy's funny, but mm, he just kind of had this So you look picked up on the dodginess. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, oh. no, 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 I would not claim that I'd picked up on the dodginess at all. So the story of Rudy for me was I was at Christie's in my, um, in my mid to late 20s, and um, I started off in London, and I worked in the cellar there, and I used to travel all around Europe, and I'd, I'd value or pack up and value people's cellars. Right. And and then bring it forward and, and have a look at them and take the bottle and say, yes, I think this is authentic and it's got a, a level of upper shoulder and it's a 1961 uh, uh, Latour, so it's worth about $5,000 mm, a bottle, mm. that type of thing. Mm. So I would be doing that anyway. I did a year and a half in London and then they moved me to Los Angeles. So the was, other end of the of the of big juicy red, other end of big juicy red, <laughs> absolutely right. But I was sort of like the cellar rat. I was the guy yeah. who went and got dirty and picked up all the bottles and did all those type of things. So they liked the fact that I had wine knowledge. Yeah, and so, but yes, the other end of it. But I moved to LA, and um, while I was in LA, part of the process is you're a specialist in the wine. You've got to find clients, and you've got to say, okay, well, who's coming in? Who's buying what? Because you know that if they're going to buy a $100,000 case of wine that they're probably going to start building a cellar yeah. and then they're going to sell that cellar because they'll just get carried away. Yeah. So Rudy comes in um, one day and he sits in the auction room and you don't have a huge amount of people in the auction room. Most of it's done by phone at the time. And he just and he buys a case of wine for 60 grand and he's just sort of up like this, up like this. And then we're going, who the hell is that? And so my job, right, go get on the Go get that guy. Go have a chat to him, see what his plans are, do all these type of things. He bought probably about twenty or $30,000 worth of wine. Oh, actually more, sorry. It would be more because that case was so valuable. It was about 10 different lots. Right. So it was probably about two hundred to 300000 going. And you'd remember. never seen him before? Never seen him before. Huh. So we walked in and said, okay, let's uh, let's have a chat. And so I took him out for lunch and all these kinds of stuff. And he's a very shy, unassuming guy. And he, at that time, he didn't know a huge amount. Over the years, I was only there for a year, so I took him out a couple of times and stuff, and we he kept buying and kept buying. So he's, he was authentic at the start because he had to be. Sure. He had to buy. He had to become credible. Mm. To the he world. seemed to be buying the exactly fine stuff to get all the fine stuff. And mm. for when he was turning up to all these tastings and things, he had to be bringing along bottles, great bottles. So all the collectors, yeah. Or knew who he was, so that when he went to put his cellar up for sale, all the collectors said, "Oh, Rudy's a huh. good guy. I've drank wine with him. Let's yeah." Let's buy and he these had wines. a history of of buying fine wine, great wines, and so when when <clears throat> wines like that did come back on the market, people trusted. Oh, it's part of the Kuhnemann collection. You know, Absolutely. I've 
I've seen that bottle, yeah. or I saw him buy that. I've I've met the guy. Yeah. Huh. So he was. So, it's all big, a big yeah. setup. So it's all a big setup. Mm. So he took. It was a good ten years after I saw him, and after him and sour grapes. Mm. That's why it was so funny. Actually, I was I was working at Trinity Hill at the time, and and um, they said, "Oh, we're going for staff to the movies. Do you want to come along?" I said, "Oh no, no I can't. Sorry." And I said the next morning, I said, "Oh, how was it?" She goes. Janine, who was gone, she goes, you know you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know I was in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're kind of like... It was a full, there's a full frontal face. Yeah, no, it was like, a full frontal face. Who is that young guy? There's, there's no question. I'm probably the most scandalous um, yeah. wine movie of all time. Yeah. And we'll be right back. Howdy, everyone. I'm Yvonne Lorcan, the co-founder and chief tasting officer for Wine Friend, the best subscription service for wine in the land. And it's the best because my team and I hunt high and low to find amazing, interesting wines that we match to your individual taste buds. And then we deliver them to your door at a price and frequency that suits you. Now, we know you want to try new wines, but we also know it's really hard to break free from those boring, safe, same olds from the supermarket. And it sucks when you spend good money on something new, but it doesn't taste great to you. Because everyone tastes wine differently, right? So we take the hassle and guesswork away, because if we know how your taste buds work, then you can trust us to go away and find great wines just for you. It's easy. Just go to winefriend.co.nz, click on Get Started to answer a few fun questions about your taste preferences, choose one of our three awesome plans, your combo of reds and whites, and how often you'd like them delivered, and then sit back and wait for a whole new world of wine to open up. They're wines from all over the world, they're wines that I personally really love, and they're wines that you're not going to find in your average supermarket. Plus, each bottle comes with a neck tag written by moi, with handy notes that'll impress your friends. Our plans are totally flexible, you're not locked into anything, and you can buy more of the wines that you love with a simple tap or a click. Just use the promo code Yvonne, that's Y-V-O-N-N-E, for 24% off your first subscription case. So, become a wine friend, and we'll all live happily ever after. Cheers! And on with the show. Christie's gave me that enjoyment of fine wine and okay. starting to, um, they encourage all their specialists and things to carry on studies. Yeah. So that's, going back to the CMW story, yep. is, is that is what happened, is that I was carrying on, I did my um, WCT level so three. So Wine and Spirits Education, education Trust. Trust. Level three for yep. all, and that is a course for all. Anyone who is interested in wine and needs to take something further, that course is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, and in terms of teaching you about the world of wine, it is truly amazing. So, and we offer it here in New Zealand. And they offer it. Jane Scotland mm. does it here in New Zealand, which is really, really great. Um, I think there's a few extra people who do it here in New Zealand. But then I did the diploma after that. Um, got a bit of a fright with the diploma because the WCT3 was pretty easy. Um, did the diploma and went, oh, I think I need to do a bit of work on this one. So that's a two-year program. So um, finished that one. And then was when I came back to New Zealand, I ended up working for Craigie Range, and obviously Steve's a master of wine. Mm. And, um, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. New Zealander, who was one of the founders. Founders of Craigie Range. And yeah. so we, I just basically said, well, let's let's carry this on. So the first year that I went to the to the seminar, they have the first year seminar, the master of wine, you got, have to go to these seminars and things mm. every year. Where did they have it? They had it in Adelaide. Adelaide, okay. No, they didn't. They had it in Melbourne. Right. Sorry, interject for a second, because this is important. You're paying on your own dime for all this, yeah. Which is different than to give you a little credit of the, whatever 15 years it took, because there's other people that are getting. They say we want you to become. You know, they might work for somebody, or is that that all? Yeah, right? I think. Like, well, are they sponsored by their? Yeah. Employer? What happened for me was I said I'll do it and I will pay for it, but I would uh, I would like some 
um, I would like a bonus or something if I pass it when mm. I get it. And, and I guess the long-term plan is you say, okay, well, you'll help me pay for it eventually because once yeah, I get it, the, the pay packet should go up anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're um, adding to the business and in terms business, of expertise no and credibility yeah. and, and everything, knowledge. Yeah, mm. and in, in those early days, I mean, it, what, what they were, what my employees, or what Craigie Range was giving to me was time. Um, you know, the time to go to these things and not yeah, have to take great. it as okay. all that, which is really, and, and that's how I value it as well. As all anyone who comes to me and says, "Hey, I'd like to do this," I'll give them the time and I'll give them as much of my help as I can. But the cash side of things up to them until they prove that they can do it. They come mm. back and and um, yeah, and, no, no, that's pretty good. Can I just ask though, what can, can you do some maths in your head and tell me what do you think it's cost you? Or thereabouts, like a rough figure, dollar wise, over all this time to to reach this journey. Oh, it's a big one because you, if you look at okay those seminars that you mm. go to Melbourne or Adelaide or things, and then um, and then uh, seminars in in Bordeaux, mm. and, and then you do the, the 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 trips, which are the best part of it. And you have to buy the wine. And you have to buy the wine. Yeah. But the wine's great because you're all part of a, a group doing it as well, and you and then study groups and all of this kind of stuff. So. Probably, I mean, and then uh, even writing dissertations and things, that costs you. So it probably would have cost about £20,000. Right. Corvin um, must have been a revelation for you guys. Corvin? Yeah. No, I'd done by Corvin before Corvin came in. Oh, you had done yeah, it I'd all finished. the text. Oh, okay. So the master, so once, going back to the timeline, the 2004, I start the seminar and I didn't do, I was with Emma Jenkins, who's another master of wine. I was with Stephen Wong, who was another master of wine. Matt Dalla was there, another master of wine. So we all sort of, Matt was a little bit earlier, but Emma and Stephen started all together. Um, and so we went through it, but I didn't actually... Then I went to the UK for Craigie Range and based myself in the UK. And at the end of... I was always there for three years. And at the end of that, I said, OK, well, that's when I need to focus on finishing this because doing it in the UK for me was going to be a lot easier than doing it in New Zealand. Mm. Doing it in New Zealand, we don't have access to the great Bordeaux wine. You can't mm. go to a Bordeaux tasting, 2018, mm-hmm. taste every Bordeaux wine from every, yeah, yeah, you know, just... every, classi- every classified Bordeaux wine. So you sit there, or do a Burgundy tasting. Yeah. The champagne, it's, tr- it's, it's, just, it's really hard here. Yeah. And really, really expensive. So you're like, right, I'm in the UK. I'm in the UK. You're going to do it. And I'm you gonna, didn't. I'm going to finish it. And so... <laughs> Well, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do the exams. So I said the exams, and I was incredibly lucky. And I don't know how it happened, but I passed on the first I, ah, on the brilliant. first chance on the first time. So um, Charlotte Reed from New Zealand Wine Girls, she's um, she uh, did the studies with me, and we used to study a lot together. And we had these study groups, and you'd go away, and you go, okay, we're going to Italy, and there'd be a person who was doing the MW program with you who owned a winery in Italy, and you'd stay with them, and you'd all do it. And we're going to Germany now, and we're going to Spain now. Must be a good network. It was amazing. And in fact, that's the biggest thing about the MW, is the people you meet are incredible. Um, And um, so you're you're doing all these type of things, and you're going around, and you're tasting all these wines, and and wine's flipping cool at this stage, because Mm. you're thinking... You know, the wine world is a really flipping cool place, and shit, there's some great wines out here. Um, so you're, when you're based in tasting Europe, everything that you can get your hands everything, on, going to classes, yeah. learning about how to write, yeah. learning about how to write tasting notes, trying to beat the the system as yeah. such, which is which is basically what the tasting exam is certainly is. is yeah. The system is trying to just get that nailed down. So I was lucky enough; I passed it first time, and then you think, "Yay, I've done it! That's all. That's the easy thing done. I've done these exams. I don't." Oh, Pass rates about five percent a year. Mm, I think. It's very low. Um, and uh, and so then you've got, but then they go, well, now you've got to write a ten thousand word dissertation, oh, which is a book essentially. Yeah, and and if you're not a writer, I mean, you're a journalist, so you write. No, no, no. 
columnist. Oh, sorry. Okay. Big difference. Like journalists get paid to get all their facts right yeah. and um, all of that, whereas I, don't, I just, you have, just, a, okay. just have an opinion. Well, then, but you, but you, write, you write really well. You write really well. It makes sense and stuff Thank like you. that. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. People who don't write on a normal basis yeah. mm, and, have, and are hard, a long time out of university are going, how do I start writing this? Mm, mm, I don't how know. to be engaging I and really get it all right. I fucking care. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what did you do? How did you choose your topic? What did you, well, this is, what did this you write is, on? This is where it all gets interesting. So we're in 2009 now, and in yep. 2010 I'm back in New Zealand and I say to I say to the institute, like, okay, I'm going to write my dissertation, I'm going to get this out. And I say to Craigie Range, and at the time Craigie Range was going through, or, New, or Spay was going through, Gimmick Gravels was going through this big leaf roll when... Um, mealybug yeah. infestation and problem and things mm-hmm. and so everyone was ripping out vines and things because of leaf roll and we were really worried about what we were going to have for old mm. vines and all of those type of things and craggy range was no different and they were ripping out their whole chardonnay block um every bit of chardonnay they had they were ripping out because it was a source of leaf roll infection and it was block you know it was going through all their reds and things like that and they thought the only way they could do it so i actually did a dissertation on the financial impact of removing uh, vineyards due to leaf roll or financial implications of having leaf roll virus in, mm. in your um, in your vineyard. Fascinating. Yeah, it was, but they failed it. Duh. And they failed it in a way that it was really frustrating because obviously Steve is a mentor. He'd been marking papers and all of these type of stuff and and, and, and he'd, he'd looked at it and said, yeah, okay, pass, put it in. And they failed it and they gave me no, they gave me no feedback at first. Oh. Um, and then after a bit of pushing, they gave me a page feedback and just said, no, nah, you failed. And I went to Steve and said, what the hell? And he goes, well, I probably would have referred you, which meant go away, do some more work on it. Because mm. you spent six months writing. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Constructive yeah. criticism, Give please. me some criticism and then we can work on it and give me another six months. And then I'll, if I enter it again and it's still not good enough, fail it. But don't fail it on the first time because honestly, I've just given up my life for this stuff. So they failed it anyway. And, the, and then they said, well, you have to start again. You have to do a new one. And I went, oh. Well. So not even anything on that topic. So not yet, just a new completely topic. new okay. one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's six months wasted. So I was like, "Oh God damn!" Okay, fine. So I went back to them and I said, "I'd like to do something on." A couple of years later, I went back to them and said, "I'd like to do something on Syrah. I'd like to do something on um, clonal variation of Syrah in Hawkes Bay." Because at the time I was working at Trinity Hill now, and they had a block of vineyard where they had six rows of different Syrah clones. They planted in exactly the same vineyard. Just that's cool. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, and so places. I got actually Trinity Hill to make me clonal variation wines. So for three years they made um, wines from each clone. They've still got them. We haven't tasted it yet. But then when I put that thesis, because uh, you've got to get the proposal accepted before you even get the thing written. Yeah. And they, they came back and said, we don't think that uh, that's got any relevance to the wine world. Why wouldn't so this, are you by now just wanting to scoop your own eyeballs out with a spoon 100%, and go, 100%. what am I doing this for? What, what do I, I have this? to... I mean... Yeah, exactly right. So I'm sitting there going, you know, you guys, I, I just don't get it. And and I think it was the, at a time for the Institute where they they were battling a little bit with change, and maybe mm-hmm. is my, my look on things. I'm, and it's hard to criticise when you're not in it. True. And so that, and so, but I put it all on hold. I had kids. I Do you think they were looking for, like, commercial, more commercial oh, or something? 100%. 100%. Oh, okay. well, okay. well, from New Zealand, if you... So I'll, I'll take you take you back to that point. But um, then about uh, just in the middle of COVID, 
they came back to me and said, look, if you're not going to actually finish this, you've got two years now, we're putting a timeline on you. Um, mm. Because there wasn't previously any time implications. I said, well, if, you, if you're not going to finish it, um, you can just go away. And I went, well, how do I do this? Because I can't do it while I'm working. Mm. So, and I can't really do, because um, I've got family and, yeah. and there's lots going on and things. So I actually just need to stop and just concentrate on this because you can't complain about it unless you're in it. It's true. So, so I, so I quit my job and made it a full-time job to do it. And I was lucky as well because by this stage, Emma Jenkins um, had passed. She passed back in, I think, 2012 or 13 or 14. 12, I think, 11. Anyway, and by this stage, she's a dissertation or a research paper as it's changed to by this point. She's, she's like a moderator. She's yep. looking at them all and things. And she's pushing me and she's just going, you, you know, and she was absolutely incredible. And she sort of gave you a little bit more hope that, her and another Emma, who's based in the UK, that, that there is a system in place now, that, right. that it's the, not how it was and that it is a lot yeah. more progressive and that they will help us. And so what did you decide on? What was your... So this goes back to your do you need it to be commercial. Is, so my, my actual research paper became the impact of climate change on the production of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Gold. Uh, yeah. Love so it already. of the last four... That's got to be relevant. Yeah, of the mm. last four... Um, MWs to come out of uh, New Zealand, um, Emma, Stephen, myself and Sophie, um, three of them I think have been on something to do with Marlborough, hmm. Sauvignon Blanc. So it goes back to, yes, it probably did need to right. be a bit more commercial. But saying that, I mean, you look at Sophie Parker-Thompson from um, Marlborough, her thesis, which she incidentally won the thesis award for, the research paper award for, was inspired. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree. I, I it's heard on, about it. It was um, and, uh, it's on um, Biogena Gaming. Yeah, yeah, histamines and histamines. Stuff like that. Uh, that, Fascinating. That I mean, certainly for you because yeah. you come across a lot of people who who why sit there and go, "Why, why, why am I getting headaches?" It's, it's all the sulfides. It's all the sulfides. Sulfides. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's like no, no. calm down. Yeah, mm. exactly it's right. Not the sulfide. So, and her paper was just you started mm. reading it. Just went, Super wow. exciting. Whereas mine, I didn't feel like I was <laughs> but I was super lucky. I had an amazing lady in America called Sherry Morano, and she just dragged me through it and dragged me through it because it's not natural for me to do it. Um, and finally, she got me through it, and I was just like, back, you know, fall over crying type scenario. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Thank God, the relief. So when you're standing up there going, look at this. It's I did it, Mum. The relief of just <laughs> having finished this. You must have been process. so relieved and so excited that you were dumb enough to open a restaurant. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that down ah, Brilliant you um, know, that's Well I didn't open a restaurant to start with um, So I obviously quit my job And so I'd finished this thing And I said okay what Let me quantify it by saying that I'm in your place a yeah. 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 Say I love the place yeah. We love it um, I didn't open the restaurant to start with I, I, um, I started off uh, And I opened up a, a website first I, I launched a website called 495wineselect.co.nz um, and 495 was about – because what I, what I realised is I've been running wineries for, for 10 years and I've been yeah, working on wineries for 20 years and things like this. And wineries and, – and I got into this industry because I really like wine. And like you guys, I like talking about wine. Yeah. And I like drinking wine and I like sharing wine. I like talk, you know, I like being with people yeah. around All different kinds stuff. of wine. Yeah, like it doesn't everything. matter. Yeah. And when you're running wineries, and Dan, you'll be finding this at the moment because you've got your own winery and things, you, you get bogged down a little bit in cost – 
and yield and sales figures and all those things that are super important to keep your winery going. It's a very important part of the process. Uh, except massively, but you know, when you're sitting there on a year-by-year basis going, my yields were down 50%, therefore my costs are up 50%, but I can't put my prices up 50%. So what, exactly. So, you know, it's this daily grind of looking at the figures and then yeah. you come across a wine and, and you, you're not drinking everyone else's wines because you're just basically drinking your own because it's easier to do it that way. And you're, you're you're getting media coming through you and you're getting trade coming through and you're showing them the wines and you're proud of your wines and your yeah. wines are great. Um, there's no, I've never worked for a company where I haven't been able to stand up in front of the wines and go, I think these are some of the most awesome mm. wines. But you do get away from why I got into the wine yeah. industry, which was actually in the early part of it. Yeah, it was, I was actually wanted to make great yeah. wines. But, you know, I still really like drinking them. So I thought to myself, okay, what do I... What do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to go back to drinking and talking and selling good wines and different wines. Yeah, and so, it's why, it's why so get into retail. Yeah. You get into just get, you mm-hmm. know exposing yourself to a whole bunch of different wines, get a whole bunch of wines in that you think are fantastic, and hope that you can convince other people that they are as well. Exactly right. You know, and just open those bottles, get people to taste them, try them. And and um, and I think, you know, the doing it online – is I mean it's so it's easy for people. Yeah, it's, it's lost cost. It's more yeah. cost effective to do it's it online easier. to start with, and and mm. and so you, you. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be a massive wine retailer that has a thousand wines on my wine no. on my wine thing. I just want to come across a wine and go, "That's cool." There's a really good story that goes with that yep. wine. You know, decibel Dan type scenario, and you go well. Um, let's put that wine up there, and people can read the story and make their own mind up. But they have a trust that maybe the fact that I am an MW that means that they'll they'll believe that it is a good one. Mm. And and I'm not saying that every wine that I've got mm. on my site is is for everyone, but I am saying that I enjoy drinking them. Yeah. So I and that's been the fun part is I've drunk everyone. I mean, you come into the bar, there's a whole heap of empty bottles all around yeah. it. That's part of the process. It's got yeah. to be drinking them all. And. You look remarkably healthy for yeah, it, totally. so it's got to be good for you. Yeah, well, that's just the stress of starting <laughs> a business. But yeah, so so that was the first step, and then the second step came up because, and the bar and the restaurant came up because, and actually, it was a different vehicle um, in my in my thought process at the start. That, that came about because there was a space that came, which I thought was a really neat building and a really neat spot and a yeah, great rejuvenation of Hastings and I think Hastings so just to give you just to interrupt for a second so Mike has a, a bar and restaurant called Cellar 495 in Hastings City which is where we are right now it's where Dan and I live um, in the old municipal council buildings which are just the most jaw-droppingly beautiful um, buildings that have been completely refurbished and there were some amazing new spaces um, created in the building and um, Mike's cellar shop, yeah. um, restaurant, I, bar. I always get asked thing from people that go, is one of the hey, best you know, there's, parts a, of there's it. like a wine bar, you know, because our tasting room is right there, a half a block Which away. incidentally, Dan, is and an awesome tasting room. Thank you, awesome thank you. Tasting room. And uh, more changes coming, more excitement <laughs> on the way. And uh, people, go, people would walk in and go, you know, there's a wine bar opening up the road. Do you, do you, do you think that's going to affect you guys at all? And I go, yeah, we'll yeah. be in there drinking. In a great way. In <laughs> a great way. So, yeah, so that's the background. So, yeah. he's got. So, we, we, the space came up, and it, and it mm. was, as, as you're saying, Yvonne, it was, it was just such a cool space. So, I said, okay, well, if it doesn't work as a. And actually, the original thought was it was just going to be a, race, a tasting room with platters and all of those type of things, but for a lot of the l- local Hawks Bay guys who don't have cellar doors. And. Um, 
And if it didn't work, well, it's not a huge space, and I'll use it for my office for my for my online business and um, and or and retail retail mm. store whatever. Um, and I'm a I'm a firm believer that, and like I think Dan is that the the more we get into the state, the more tasting rooms we get into there, the the, the, the better it is because it des- becomes a destination. Absolutely. So, also, because I've seen it in other regions oh, of around the and, world, and America does it so yeah, well. For yeah. example, when you go you to got Sonoma, like Hillsburg, Hillsburg and, and things, and they've got downtown Napa now. It's all these places. I just want to say one thing though, but you know, talk about driving the. Uh, you know, it's really important. And winemakers, we get in ruts too, and it's why we meet and you're invited all the time, and so are, mm-hmm. so is Yvonne, to do tastings with your friends and open up cool shit and taste it. And because I, almost everyone you do will have like somebody who hadn't been in a while, and they go, "Oh man, yeah, I'm so glad I came because I'm in a rut. I'm getting a cellar palate. I'm not doing that." Yeah. So with that in mind, you should pour some Gruner Yeah, tomatoes. that's exactly what. Yeah. So what? Oh, I was just thinking. Come on, Dan, come on, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, say the thing or give oh, yeah. us the Got give it, us the it. in. Um, because I've bought two wines um, for us all to taste. We've um, we taste wine. Yeah, good. Well, it's, it's well right. it looks so like there's no spittoons around here, so it looks no like spittoons. Yeah. So but I did um, Good morning. <laughs> I, um, I did bring the, the good glasses. And we'll be right back. Hey everybody, Decibel Wines is the newest tasting room in the best block of Hastings City on the East Block where it's all happening. We're right in the heart of the action with uh, you know the distillers and the common room and a bunch of great restaurants and other uh, great shops in the, as our neighbors in the area. There's something for everyone in our shop though with 18 wines available under the Decibel Junta and Testify collections. We're treating podcast listeners to a 15% discount. That's pretty That's pretty good. On our website with the code PODCAST15 at checkout, head to decibelwines.com and use the promo code PODCAST15. I believe that's all caps. Uh, you know, I moved to New Zealand all alone in 2008 and started making these wines in 2009. I moved here with a dream and literally just a few bucks in my pocket. Uh, it all started with a very small amount of Decibel Malbec, Sauvignon Blanc, and of course Pinot Noir from Martinborough. I make all these wines, buying fruit from so many great growers around Hawke's Bay and Martinborough. Um, so please come visit us uh, when you're in Hawke's Bay. I'm usually in the shop hanging around. Uh, if I'm not there, there's some other great people helping out and know the story and know about all the wines. Or just visit decibelwines.com and use promo code PODCAST15 at checkout for 15% off. Cheers. And now we're back. So while, while uh, Yvonne's pouring this, I just on the sort of restaurant front, are you, um, or sort of hospital front for Hawks Bay, are you sort of privy to any action going on right now post-cyclone um, with any Hawks Bay tourism initiatives or anything like that? Are you hearing things? Are you, you know, what? Because I just flew back and forth to Auckland earlier this week, and there's definitely a few people who are like, oh, is it just like a disaster? And I'm like, yeah, there's bad parts, but most of Hawks Bay is still fine. fine. Come and visit us and come spend your money. I know the Napier Talpa Road wasn't open much, and it was tough to drive here from there, but, you know, you know, certainly getting easier and easier to get here and do things, but... I think the um, what I have heard just recently is there's uh, in terms of those wineries who have been affected and and, and um, you know the ones in the East Valley are the obvious examples but there's and Kate Radburn's probably on the edge of the East Valley but she's been affected with Seldor, um Shed Five Thirty Alchemy these ones um, a, a lot of them they actually there's some talk about bringing up um, 
cell door into the eyesight in Hastings, so mm-hmm. just down the road from us. The eyesight is the information centre. Yeah, in Hastings. So the council was very kindly offered up their space um, that they used as just a table to say, hey, here's a temporary... Um, come use it as your tasting room. Use Great it as a idea. place where you get, which is fantastic, and it's yeah. very easy. And, it's, and, mm. and um, so, so yeah, so it means that those wineries that um, are they had a public fa- place for people to visit, but now don't. Yeah, They've so a little a in the city cellar door. Exactly. Mm. It's not even just a, any kind of retail sales would be great. Yeah, for yeah exactly. So yeah, so, um, yeah it's it's all uh, all of. The restaurant, as you say, the restaurants, a lot of the restaurants in Hawke's Bay, we're doing okay. We, we, we weren't unaffected so much. But On that note, we've only got um, we've, we've only got Mike for a few minutes, mm. okay, because he's got to run. He's got a restaurant to open. Um, so we're going to quickly talk about the Grunewald Lena. This is brand new from um, Forest in Marlborough. It's the 2022. Is it um, wine they produce every year? No, it's not. They only produce it every now and again. So um, this was made by Beth Forrest and Chris. I'm not sure if Chris's surname. Um, after they uh, spent time at Salomon Undhof in Austria. Oh. Yes, Sal- I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Salomon Undhof in Austria and um, loved it. So, of course, you know, Gruner, Austrian... Variety. National Great Variety of Austria. National Great Variety like, of Austria, like, and we love um, it. Like Sauvignon Blanc here is to New Zealand. Is, mm. But the Green. thing about it, I love, is that um, it's clearly finding a happy home mm. in New Zealand. And, you know, there's Gruner in Marlborough, there's Gruner in Gisborne, there's Gruner in Hawke's Bay now, I think. There's Gruner all over the place, Gruner in Nelson. So we, we, sell in Gruner, we sell a bit of Gruner in, uh, what do you from love Austria about it? And, um, in the bar. Um, what I love about it is its, is its texture and its body. Mm. It's... Um, it's got really nice acidity, and, and um, but it's got enough body. It's it's sort of more, more, without being controversial, more 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 interesting Pinot Gris. And it's this one is dry. Oh, dude! This is dry <laughs> and juicy, and um, I find most of them are dry. Though. Yeah. Most of the ones that I tasted are so dry. I spoke at the NZSVO conference last October, I think it was, down in Marlboro, and the whole theme was alternative varietals. And obviously, I do some a lot of different things, so I had a lot to say. Mostly, I chose more about this sort of economics and marketing side of having other things in your portfolio to sell, which is really and also mm. just not purely keeps me interested and fun. Going back to what we were saying before, but a lot of the Marlboro producers, including some of the big guys that were there, which you know most of them are big guys, um, were talking about Grunewald and how maybe 10, 12 years ago it was seemingly the new mm-hmm. thing that could be the another alternative in your tasting room or in the vineyard. There was, uh, yeah, there's sort of up and down mm-hmm. opinions in the vineyard and everything, but I think, uh, you know, passing the buck to you guys, it's uh, a bit of a tougher sell they were finding, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think you've got, to, you've got to talk people through it. You've got to really put it in front of people. This is my experience. You, you yeah. actually have to say, Drink this, you know. Yeah. Force people to open it and drink it, and then you go look. You know, apples. You know, gorgeous green herbs. Um, lovely kind of a um, little bit of toastiness in there. You know, there's blossoms, the lots of florals, white pepper. Mm. You know, it's just it's a style that if you if you talk people through it, they go, huh, yeah. Where's it been all my life? Yeah. And the great thing is, you know, Grunewald Lener in New Zealand, not very expensive. You know, this is like 26 bucks, I think, and that's on the upper end of the spectrum. A lot more expensive from, mm. Austria. from Austria. But, you know, that's that's the way it is. So we don't have any spittoons again. Mm, I forgot mm. them. So 
bang those down and let's try this pinot noir. Just on that though. The, the, Sorry, the, have I been too rushed? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think also the larger guys don't have a vehicle for selling this. Um, yeah, yeah, well, um, because you're not going to buy this off a supermarket shelf generally. No. What you're going to do is you're going to go into a restaurant. And, and so I sell quite a bit of Gruda yeah. because people come in and go, well, what do you suggest, Mike? Well, yeah. you know, what, okay, so what do you normally drink? Well, I normally drink yeah. Pinot Gris or Sauvignon Blanc or something. I was like, okay, well, let's stick in the aromatics mm. and let's give you an Austrian um, Gruner. But that's a different vehicle to the big guys who are going, well, I'm making... 5,000 cases of it and I've got to sell it to the supermarket well no one's going to pick up a supermarket no. because for a start they'll look at it and they'll go can't pronounce it like any of these and that's like any of these alternative varieties that's why I would expect that most alternative variety most most of the alts would go through um, YouTube. Most of the alts would go through restaurants because yeah, the song more. Well, well, that was kind of my argument too yeah. for them. Was like, hey, you know, even for you big guys, you're getting people through your tasting room, mm-hmm. and they're going to remember your brand probably more. If, oh, I remember we had that Gruner Belt there too. But I, all I, ha- I can find is the Sav, but I'll buy the Sav. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but do we know, like it? Do we like this one? I, like, I really like that. One. I really like this I'm one, and it should be. I mean, you can buy that online at forest.co.nz. Was it forest or forest? Love I love the the juiciness with the acidity because yeah. it's like it's really approachable, but it's still Gruner. It's still mm. got that, that yeah. brightness to it, but yeah. it's, it's really approachable. So Gruner, Lena, get amongst it, kids. We we love it. And well, I mean, Forrest is good great. producer. Yeah, great producer. Very good producer. Was not expecting anything less from right. those. And make some really good alts. Mm. Yeah, so they've got um, in the little some box of wine stuff. that that one came from. Ooh. Oh. Um, I've got an Arnais. That was our fake way of popping a cork in New Zealand. Yeah, I've got Arnais from Forest. And um, what else do they do? So there's Arnais, Gruner, Gewürz. Obviously, um, a lot of cool Rieslings. Um, and oh, yeah, Saint Laurent. Oh, yeah, they have to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Saint Laurent. So, this is Pinot Noir from Collier. Um, Ashmore Vineyard, so this is Marlborough Pinot Noir, and it's the 2020 vintage. Now, Mike, you and I have actually tasted this, but we did it blind, so we didn't actually no. know that we were tasting this wine when we did it. Nice and cloudy. Yeah. And why is it cloudy? Not much additions to this wine, I'm going to go. So that's all unfined, unfiltered. Unfined, unfiltered. So there you go. For those of you that are watching Stemmy. this on YouTube, you can are they look at organic it. or biodynamic? I'll tell you. Okay. Right, so made by Julian Richards, don't know if you guys know him, but it's all about um, biodynamics, so organic biodynamic grapes, um, only made when the fruit is, um, is perfect for him, all about the health of the soil and very, very lo-fi, minimal intervention um, so wine col- making here. Colore is like kind of the colore. 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 Sorry, I can't help my Italian part. Yeah, uh, so it's a mix of clones. I'll tell you, there's a bunch of them. It's a smorgasbord. You've got seven, 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 six, six, seven, one, one, four, one, one, five, ten bar, five, eight, eight, and nine bar. No, sorry, nine, four, three. Hundred percent whole bunch. Same whole bunch of components. Hundred percent whole so bunch. Um, aged for 15 months in a blend of 30% older oak punchins, 70% stainless steel. So um, what he said, Julian has said it's all about restraining the primary fruit and tannin structure um, and desiring to move the tannins up front to the top of the teeth. The perfume on this, the perfume, sorry, tenons are great. I like the tenons. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Whole Bunch. I think mm. the interest factor that comes through from Whole Bunch is intriguing to me. 
I think the the, the fact that it's there's no obvious real mm. oak coming through, and the um, the fragrance and the perfume on it is yeah, very, the nose is it's amazing. Crazy. It has that lovely kind of hedgerow hedgerow fruits and dried herb, you know, forest floored sort of carry <coughs> what's, on. What's this guy's earthy. name? Julian Richards. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Seek very out cool. more because I definitely do. I um, find it very compelling when somebody's doing uh, wines in this space that are actually yeah. clean. I'm going to yes. tell you, you know, yeah. um, and then this, is a, this is a perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Great example. It got in the Metro really Top 50 last year. Metro Magazine Top 50. Um, oh yeah. By the Joe way, Joe Bazinska had this to say about keep it. Keep your eye on that Metro Top 50. Oh, there. Sure. there might be some familiar. Oh, might there be? Okay. About four or five of them. Jeez, it might get dollars going well. Um, <laughs> this is what this is what Joe Bazinski hey, said about this. Now, blind. Joe's a wine writer that, that I love and a good friend of mine. She goes, with its freshness, so you've got to taste and smell okay. while I'm reading this. With its freshness, delicacy, and understated power, made with organic grapes from the Dog Point owned vineyard. Uh, Dog Point, okay. Mm, in its chalky textured and brightly aromatic palate, threads of clove, smoke, green herb and savoury notes weave through plum tart and red fruits. No, it's amazing. tart it's, plum. It's amazing. I was about to say, I don't know if I forget the plum tart. But. Particularly in Pinot, but also some other, like Syrah. When the green mm. is good, yeah. when it's the right kind of green, it's that stemmy, ripe stem. Yeah. I like as opposed it. to... Unripe mm. fruit. Unripe fruit, yeah. Yeah, Cameron Douglas says it's a specific style of Pinot Noir with an earthy, old-world feel. What would he yeah. know? <laughs> you know, when we, were, when we were tasting through that, uh, when we were tasting through the Pinots, Just kidding, stop yeah. it, you two. Yeah. When we were tasting through the Pinots last week, Yvonne, I... The, I, this type of style of wine came through because I think it's really, really great to see. I, I think Pino it's great. Yeah. And yeah, so does Cameron. Well, I agree with him. You know, he's the only one in he's the only one in the country, mate. You can't just that dude. Oh, I'm the MS, I know. Yeah, he's the master yeah. well, actually, He's the only one. Last question for you because I know you probably got a roll soon. So the MS thing blew up, obviously later on, but he was on to it, I think, well before the Psalm movie and all that. Mm. Um, it seemed like the Master of Wine program at some stage, at least from my perspective, blew up with that guy. Was he a guy from Texas or something who got, who was an incredible palate and he's a big mentor for a lot of American MWs? You know what I'm talking about? No. I just thought of it when we were talking, and, uh, and he was, yeah, he's a, he, I forget where he's from. He's from. It wasn't Pancho. No, this is kind of a. He almost reminds me of like Robert Parker or something. He almost looks like the guy too, but it's not Parker. And uh, he's just got this sensational palette, like just you know, mm. he can just peg anything. Like a photographic palette. Yeah, he's got one of these yeah. crazy guys. And um, I don't know. I have to look it up again. It's oh. pretty pretty lame. And what happened to him? Uh, I think he's still around. I think he's pretty old now. But I think like twenty twenty five years ago, going, even going back that far, he passed really easy really quick and then he mentored a lot of other americans that were trying to do that didn't know anything about mw stuff and he would meet them and say hey you should try this and mm -hmm. and sort of mentor them on it but i can't remember who it was maybe i'm mixing up stuff. but i'm pretty yeah i remember seeing like a little small dock on him or something yeah. well i think uh, i think from going back to cameron i think it'd be fantastic mm -hmm. if we could get some more industry people through you know, hospitality and Absolutely. through the MS program, it would just, you know, and Cameron's we've been alone close. for too long. Yeah, yeah we've, we've had people close. We've yeah. had, you know, people in, you know, sommeliers from New Zealand getting 
very, very close. Yeah. I, I have um, to say, though, I went. I, you're, this is probably going back seven years now or something. I was up at the food and wine school in Auckland, and um, the <laughs> the uh, they did a junior sommelier competition, and I literally had to leave. It was so stressful, and like because they're, you know, they got the cloth on yeah. and they're asking the questions oh can you you know it's just they had like two safe tables intense. set up at a, like we should a get Cameron restaurant. in to, to yeah next time he's in I'll have to talk because it was like he was one of the he was one of the guests to. but yeah. he was like oh you know they're they're throwing out stuff like you know I want a mezcal but I want it from the south hillside oh, and you're just like can yeah. I just interrupt for a second? Are you are you still tasting that wine? Yeah, it's really nice. You know, really so nice. you guys took your last sip like minutes ago, mm. and that wine is still holding so beautifully in it's the palate. Um, Sixty three dollars a bottle for the Collier um, Ashmore Vineyard Marlborough Pinot. I actually think that's pretty. You know, yeah, especially for one that's not made that often. You that's know. pretty good. And Collier, in case you were interested, means to cultivate and worship land and spirit. I'm not sure. Nice. What language it's from? Or uh, the reason why I, it's got I, brackets around it on the tasting. Col- I was thinking Collier. So it must be like true. Italian. <laughs> That's what I thought. But it could be. You can you ask your wife, mate. I will. Mm-hmm. It Michael, will mean something. It's probably Latin origins or something. Thank you, Mike, so that, much for joining us. This yeah. has just been great. And but all these questions that um, that I've wanted to ask you about your journey to become a master of wine. Um, it's been great. I've learned a lot. Have you One learned more, a lot? I yet? have. Uh, do the quick plug. Where yes. your, where's your restaurant? So my restaurant, Cellar 495, is at uh, 319 Heratonga Street East, just down the road from you, Disabilty. In Hastings. In Hastings. Um, we're open um, Tuesday through Saturday from 12 o'clock lunchtime through to late. And the website? And the website, 495 Wine Select. Come and have a look at that too. Yeah, some good stuff. And Very good stuff. You might even see... Somebody like myself sitting at the bar there. You oh, know? Yeah, I love sure. that place where you walk in at any time and there's like seven winemakers yeah. scattered through the place. <laughs> well, that's that, just that, what I was going to say. That it's is the like best that. thing about it, actually, because, um, you know, as I go back to I want to drink wines, and we had uh, three or four winemakers sitting at the bar on a Saturday afternoon, and we said, well, what are we drinking, guys? And I just got in a whole lot of burgundies, and I got a whole lot of... Um, of Rhone wines. I said, right, let's just crack that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that, and we'll just drink them. And, and they go, well, what are we charging? It doesn't matter. Yeah. We just, yeah. I'll bring the price down. You guys just sit there and buy a bottle. Yeah. And, th- and then I yeah. get to drink it as well. And you know, so I put my own personal cellar from my years at Craigie and my years at Trinity and stuff in there as well. And people were drinking that, but the, part of the rule is you can't take it away, and I've got to have first taste. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> it's all a little informal. Oh. There's my amazing chef, Carlita Campbell, who does great food. She is food. an amazing she is chef, Carlita. But as she says, she says, you know, you got, yeah, we're probably doing all right in spite of ourselves because the more I'm in there, the more it's mucked up, really. Yeah, you know, well, from a service point of view, I'm yeah. useless. It's pretty funny. You just get out I'd of never be a master sommelier because I'm just useless <laughs> at service. Yeah, we've all experienced that a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, but sorry, I must say, your sorry, chef, I won't let you, let you live that down as you, how you landed on your feet with that chef because she's doing a phenomenal oh, job. She is incredible. Yeah, yeah Kelly is incredible. We keep, it, we keep it fresh and lively. So it's and cool. we try and keep it fresh and lively on the Wine Dead podcast. You, I'll and I'll tell you, you, it has been such a treat having you on here. Thank you very much. Tell your friends. Um, yeah, and um, thank you very much for watching and listening. And um, Dan will have this posted up. On the old um, socials. Seems like you cracked the whip on Aaron and Aaron. All that kind of stuff.
Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Thanks, guys. Michael. Love you, babes. This podcast is handpicked, whole bunch pressed, wild fermented, and produced unfined and unfiltered by Daniel Brennan and Aaron Cash at New Song Studio. 